0: We're uh, continuing in the book of Joshua tonight, we'll be in chapter 10, and uh, one of the things that we're going to do tonight is again outline uh, some principles that uh, we've tried to establish uh, with this series so far. Many of them will be the same, there's always one that's a little different at the end. I'm not going to do all of them tonight, I'm just going to summarize the first few and then give you Uh, the freshest one that, uh, that will lead into what we're going to talk about tonight. So, a faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It is a faith crossing because you are trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. Last week, we saw how the Gibeonites made a faith crossing and it brought them under the protective care of God, opening the door for them to experience God's extraordinary activity. Which brings us to the next section of chapter 10 as we ask what I think is a significant question that's necessary to answer and uh <clears throat> It's going to bring you to a faith crossing tonight because you're going to have to determine this. Each one of you will make your own decision about this. You'll come to some conclusion about it. Just how extraordinary is the extraordinary activity of God? Uh, First, you're going to face it tonight as we finish our consideration of the 10th chapter of Joshua... Uh, Some of you are going to have to decide if you believe the story or if it's just too extraordinary to be believed. And here is why this is such an important question for you to answer tonight, specifically first about the story we're going to consider. There will be a day in the future in your own personal walk with God when you are called to take such an exceptional step of faith often complicated by some extraordinary difficulty, that looking at that difficulty and looking at the step of faith that God has called you to make, you will wonder just how extraordinary is the extraordinary activity of God. Settle that question tonight and you'll have no problem then. Leave it unsettled and you will be frozen in your faith because you do not believe in the extraordinary activity of God. So, last time we looked at the book of Joshua, we pondered the faith crossing of the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were that group of people uh, in league with the Hittites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the otherites that were enemies of God's people. They were a group of people like the one person Rahab in the city of Jericho who, seeing what God was doing and how God was working, said, if we don't surrender to these people, if we don't surrender to the God of these people, then we are history. And they did. They did it in a clandestine fashion. They did it with some degree of deception. But once they had done it, it was done. Joshua received it. And so these people go down in history as being servants in the house of God, they were condemned to serve in the house of God for the rest of their history. And they did, and I showed you how many times they appear throughout the rest of the Old Testament right down to the rebuilding of the wall in the time of Nehemiah. So they, these Gibeonites, because they came under the protected care of God and because they surrendered to Joshua. They irked a five-king confederacy who came to attack them, but Joshua came to their uh, aid, and, and Joshua received the following command of the Lord as he came to the aid of these Gibeonites. Remember, they're under the protective care of God. They've surrendered. They've made a faith crossing of their own, and they're in, they're in this position where they need Joshua's help and they need God's help. So God said this in chapter 10, verse 8, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, this this group of kings that's coming after the Gibeonites, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. Now here's another place where Joshua himself, has to take a step of faith. Joshua has to decide, is this something that God is going to do? If I fight this battle as I fought the battle of Jericho, will God make the walls, the difficulties, come tumbling down before me? He had to make that decision. So with this assurance, Joshua and his army began a grueling midnight march into the battle of the enemy the battle was fierce and long and uh, it was longer than was comfortable for Joshua and so in the middle of the battle in the middle of the battle Joshua cried out to God and there's going to be a time like that in your life when God uh, calls you to do something and you step out in faith to follow God in what he asked you to do and the difficulties are going to be so great The pressures are going to be so great. You're going to cry out to God and say, God, you've got to help us, and if you don't help us, we're going to fail. Basically, that's what Joshua was doing in this moment and and in the the depth of his own heart, out of his own childlike faith in God, not not measuring the difficulty of what he was asking, not measuring the extremity or the extraordinary nature of what he was asking, about to ask God to do. Joshua just prayed this prayer. You can find it in verses 12 through 14. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the, the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, he, did, he wasn't even ashamed to pray the prayer. He prayed it in front of everybody. He said, O son, stand still at Gibeon, an old moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Now here we have in this story a display of the extraordinary activity of God, but the question that you're going to have to answer is, did that happen? Did the sun stand still? This is the question that I want you to ponder tonight. Now as we think about this, this is a little different in this whole series, but this is important because it basically sets the tone for us. What, what am I able to believe about God? What can my God do? Is there anything outside the realm of possibility for God to do in behalf of his people? So here's the question. What would have to take place for the sun to stand still? Let's think about that. We're going to have to think about that scientifically, not just theologically or spiritually. Remember, Joshua was not a scientist, Joshua was not an astronomer. His understanding and his faith was simple. He believed that the God who created the universe could also control the universe. Joshua didn't know that the earth it was in orbit around the sun. Joshua didn't know that the earth travels at a speed of 18.5 miles per second. Uh, in clear terms, that's just under 70,000 miles per hour. He didn't know that it's the rotation of the earth that makes the sun appear to rise and set. He didn't know that from one sunrise to the next The earth from any single point along its equator will travel at a speed of just over a thousand miles per hour. He didn't know that to stop the sun, God would have to stop the rotation of the earth. He didn't know that everyone on the earth might be thrown off by such a sudden stop. Joshua didn't know any of that, but he did know that he served a God who was a God who could do the impossible. And according to Scripture, the Scripture we just read here, in answer to Joshua's prayer, the setting sun ceased to set and the rising moon ceased to rise. Therefore, for an unknown period of time, the natural order of events in the universe was disrupted so that God's people might accomplish His purpose. The sun stood Still, I'm just reading you what the Bible says. I'm I'm reading it to you, and I'm asking you, I'm suggesting that you are the one who's going to have to decide whether or not you believe that the story happened in the Bible as the Bible says it did. Now, this is a miracle of such magnitude that it prompted one of America's most prominent preachers to write. And I quote, The physical problems associated with such a miracle are so large that conservative scholars as well as more liberal ones have searched rather widely for an alternative. What he's saying there is simply this, a lot of people find it hard to believe that God really Made the sun stand still. And he goes on to con- confess, this is what he says. He says, I confess that I have no great convictions as to what happened. And as I read the various articles and books available, I sense that no one else has any very strong convictions on that point either. Well, I'm just suggesting to you that you better develop some strong convictions on the things that the Bible says. It's important for you to come to a conclusion about whether you believe the truth of God's word and you believe what the Bible says that God did, he did, because that's going to make a determination on what you do in the future and the decisions you make in the future and the steps of faith you are willing to make or you won't be willing to make in the future. So if we think about it, this means that God would have to suspend the natural laws of the universe for such a thing to happen and that's exactly right uh, but to, you know if you if you say that well wouldn't it be hard to do that wouldn't it be hard for God to do something like that isn't it's rather unlikely and complex that God would suspend the natural laws of the universe that that with such a complexity involved on a celestial scale, that he would do something like that? Well, let me ask you, if you have a problem believing that, then you're also going to have a problem about the raising of Lazarus, that it would be such a complex thing on a molecular scale for God to begin to put the decayed body of Lazarus back together and bring Lazarus back from the dead, or even Jesus himself back from the dead. When we talk about this being the extraordinary activity of God, it really makes it no different than the rest of the miracles in the Bible. All of them are illustrations of the extraordinary activity of God. So here's the second question we need to ask. Is if God can or will perform such extraordinary activity in, beh- in behalf of his people and is anything too hard to for God. So did the sun stand still. I'll just let you decide what you believe about this story, but your response to this miracle strikes at the very heart of what you believe about God. Now some look for some celestial evidence of such an occurrence. We don't need celestial evidence. By faith, the Bible says, we understand that the worlds were framed by God. That comes from the book of Hebrews itself by Faith, we understand this same God who created the universe with the word has the authority and the power with that same word to bring the universe to a screeching halt and hold it all together without any problem. For me, this miracle has become a measure of all the other miracles in the Bible. I submit to you that if God can make the sun stand still, he can do anything If you truly believe God made the sun stand still, then you can come to the conclusion that simply nothing is too hard for God. It takes the same amount of faith to believe that that God made the sun stand still that it takes to be saved. The same amount of faith. It is no more miraculous than all the other miracles of the Bible. Each one is an act of God And the only part men play in any of them is simply the part of believing God and acting in faith on God's promise. So here's Joshua. In childlike faith, he believed that God could make the sun stand still. Moses believed that God could part the waters of the Red Sea and that they would stand at attention while the children of Israel walked on dry ground. Joshua believed that God could part the waters of the Jordan. Joshua believed that God could make the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Elijah believed that God could make fire come down from heaven. Mary believed that a virgin could conceive without ever having known a man. And not one of the disciples believed that Jesus would rise from the dead, but he did anyway. All of these miracles are no less miraculous than this miracle in the 10th chapter of Joshua when we are told that the sun stood still and the only part that Joshua played in it was to pray and believe in childlike faith that God would do something extraordinary in behalf of His people. Did you know that Jesus said that same kind of childlike faith in our hearts will, would enable us to experience the power of God Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore, 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 that means on the basis of that, believing that in your heart, believing that, he doesn't say, Say to the mountain, be picked up and thrown into the sea, he doesn't say that. He said, if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be picked up and thrown into the sea and it'll be done. He doesn't say, do that. He says, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. That's simply what Joshua did without any idea of how complex it was. He just said, God, we need some help here. We need you to intervene in behalf of your people. God, we need you to do something extraordinary to help us. And God, who had been doing something extraordinary since they first put their feet in the waters of the Jordan, and the Jordan parted since the walls of Jericho came tumbling down since Rahab herself was saved by faith by an extraordinary act of God, God was still doing extraordinary things in behalf of his people. Now, when Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be plucked up and be thrown into the heart of the sea, Jesus must have known that the tallest mountain on earth could be dispensed with in the heart of the ocean. Is that a scientific fact? Does anybody know for sure? Can you take Mount Everest and drop it into the deepest part of the ocean? Well, in fact, you can take Mount Everest and drop it into the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, and you could put the tallest of the Smoky Mountains on top of Mount Everest and it would still not reach the surface of the ocean. Every miracle of the Bible is a testimony to the fact that that in in response to simple faith, God does the impossible. Now, we started out by saying there's going to be a moment in your life, a day is going to come when God is going to ask you to do something. He's going to ask you to adjust your life to him and take a step of obedience. Maybe he'll ask your church to do that. Maybe he'll ask your family to do that, to say, okay, we've got to... T- God has called us to take this step of obedience and you look at it and the and the difficulties are so extraordinary. You say I don't know how that's ever going to work out. I don't know how the pieces of that puzzle will ever be put together. But what I'm just saying to you is you see if you can believe that God can do this that we're talking about tonight, whatever that is won't be a problem for you because you'll always you'll also be able to believe that God can do that. Remember what God told sarah and abraham about having a baby he said look why'd you laugh I, look I, is anything too hard for me god asked jeremiah to do something that was unbelievable jeremiah said i don't know how this is ever going to work out god well he did it and then he had second thoughts about it he said god i i did this i did what you asked me to do but now i'm not so sure i should have done it he said look jeremiah am i not the god of all flesh is anything too hard for me so here are these people Simply, Joshua, simply asking God to do something that he said, God, you can do this. We need your help here. Would you step in and do this? So what ramifications should this and other miracles have on my faith finally? Well, if God made the sun stand still in answer to the prayer of Joshua and in keeping with the fulfillment of his purpose, God will work miraculously to accomplish his purpose in And through me. This and all the other miracles of the Bible should bolster my faith in God's ability to do anything that needs to be done in my life. Jesus said that all things are possible to those who can believe and the reason for that he says is nothing is impossible with God. Now you say I'm not so sure I can believe this what you're talking about tonight. I'm not so sure that I can put my my faith as as an educated person, as a sophisticated person living in the 21st century, I'm not so sure that I can put my confidence in every story in the Word of God. You know, Billy Graham had the same problem. You remember Billy Graham? He was plagued with doubts at one time in his ministry about the Word of God, and those doubts were initially kindled by a minister friend, who had expanded his horizons with higher education. His newly educated friend was asking Billy Graham questions he couldn't answer. His name was Chuck Templeton. And Billy Graham said uh, to his friend, he said, uh, Look, Chuck, I don't have a good enough mind to settle these questions, and I'm not able to talk with you about these things. And he said, Look, I've decided I'm not going to wrestle with these questions any longer. But he did. He and his friend uh, Chuck Templeton were featured speakers at a student conference at Forest Home, a, a retreat m- uh, center uh, outside uh, uh, Los Angeles in the San Bernardino Mountains. And Templeton again assaulted Billy Graham with questions he couldn't answer, and his doubts were rekindled. And uh, in fresh turmoil, Billy Graham took a walk in, the, in a pine forest, and about 50 Yards off the main trail, he sat down on a large rock with his open Bible in his hand. And as he struggled once more with his doubts and his commitment, he came to a decision. In that fine pine forest, Billy Graham said, God, I can't prove certain things. I can't answer some of the questions Chuck is raising and some of the other people are raising. But God, I accept this book. As the word of God, I accept it by faith as your word. And as you know, Billy Graham stood on God's promises. Graham's friend, known to be the better preacher of the two, would later leave the ministry stating that he was no longer a believer in any orthodox sense and it was intellectually dishonest for him to pretend that he was. In sharp contrast, Billy Graham's conscious resolution that he would never entertain any doubts whatsoever about the authority of scripture galvanized his faith and he later observed that decision gave power and authority to my preaching that has never left me the gospel in my hands became a hammer and a flame i felt as though i had a sword in my hands and through the power of the bible was slashing deeply into men's consciences, consciences leading them to surrender to god and if you heard billy graham preach you know it's true. If you watch people respond, you know it's true. And you know that every time somebody responded, every time all of those people began walking down the front in those services, it was not because alone that Billy Graham was preaching. It was due to the extraordinary activity of God. Now, if you believe in the extraordinary activity of God, if you believe God could do something like this that we've read about in His words or any other any other of the miracles of the Bible, could God not do something extraordinary in and through your life? Could God not do something extraordinary in His church? Do we not need God to do something extraordinary? I heard... Uh, Kelly talking about yesterday the students at school. We were thinking about the students at school and the problems the students are having in school and the things the students are wrestling with in school. And we're looking at our church and we're thinking about the and well really you look on, look on the news and how Values in America are declining and the the religious decline in America. What's going to turn the situation around? Do you have the power to turn it around? Do I have the power to turn it around? No. What do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to cry out to the God who made the sun stand still. We need to say, God... We need your help here. God, we're overwhelmed and we're overcome. We don't know what to do. But God, you can do something extraordinary. Would you not do it? Would you not help your people? How else will it happen? How else will it happen? How else has it ever happened throughout history without God stepping into the situation and doing something that only he could do? Let's pray. God, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour we need you. But Lord, in this hour, in the history of our nation, and in the history of our church, we need you to work in such a way that will amaze a watching world and will make your people rejoice. God, we are are not able in and of ourselves to do these things. Neither was Joshua. But God, he asked, and you responded And Jesus said to us, Lord, that if we ask anything in prayer, believing that we will receive, and God, we just ask you for help. We will not dictate how it ought to come. We will not say when it ought to come. But we pray, God, for your activity to be displayed in our lives and in our churches. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?